Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring the Dono and Frito Show. The Dono and Frito Show. It is! It's been a minute for me. Alex Dono alongside Josh Friedman. I, I had to had to sit a couple of plays out, but I am back. Frito, I wish I could say I was back in one piece. Woke up with a migraine today. I, I don't know if it's my Miami Heat being down 3-1 against the Lakers, if it's my Miami Marlins, who who did dispatch of your cubbies, but they're now down 0-2 against the Atlanta Braves. So it's it's tough times for South Florida sports. But man, I am happy to be back, Frito. I hope you've been well. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, the, the owner about the Heat, they'll be done after tomorrow night. Yeah, right. uh, I mean, Thank like, you. <laughs> I mean, let's be realistic, okay? That they were overmatched. The game what three was a miracle, and uh, it was. It's not going to happen again. I mean, think about it. Not only you be the Lakers, but you're, you know, you're, you're without Bam. You're without Goran. And Goran, you know, before game four, you saw a video of him on the court. He was, he was practicing with Chris Quinn and just trying to guard Quinn. Quinn was just moving laterally and Goran had that big device on his leg and just trying to move just to see if he could possibly play. And he could. And he, he, Quinn moved around him. Goran knew right away, I can't go. I mean, this is a coach who's in his 40s. And Goran went to the, to the seats by the court and just sat there. And you could just see the tears welling up in his eyes. I mean, this is a dream for this guy. He played the European Championships and won. Here's the NBA Championships. And he can't do it. He just physically, his body won't let him do it. And it, it's just crushing. And I'll tell you, from covering the, this team for so many years, as nice a guy as you'll ever meet, I really feel awful for the guy. Just... He's such a good dude. And then Bam came back. But, I mean, let's be realistic, Donald. This, this, it's not going to happen. LeBron no, smells bloody one game away. It ain't going to happen. I mean, the, the Heat had to win game four to even it up to have any shot. I mean, they're, they're not coming back from a 3-1 deficit to that team. And, yeah, like you were saying, I feel terrible for Goron because, um, you know, not only is it a dream come true to try and be able to play and help your team in the NBA Finals, but an older player this is probably his last chance I mean you know m- maybe not because you know if the Heat really have become the class of the Eastern Conference if what they did in the playoffs this year is any indication then maybe he'll get another crack at the finals next year but you know Gordon's Goron's got to be thinking in his mid-30s like it's taken me this long just to get here I don't have a whole lot of time left in my NBA career this might be my last chance to do it in an NBA Finals, and now I'm just too hurt to help my team. So it's rough. Um, you know, I, uh, I I think the last time we spoke, you and I, at least on the air, was, you know, probably the early stages of the Eastern Conference Finals. And so at that point, I probably would have told you that I would just be happy to get into the Finals, and then I would, you know, consider that to be a very successful run, job well done, leave the bubble with your heads held high. But as usually happens, Frito, in sports, even if you're not expecting your team to get that far, once they get that far, it changes the expectation. So something within me was just hoping that, hey, this is a team that wasn't supposed to beat Milwaukee, wasn't supposed to beat Boston. You know, you did get that Herculean game three from Jimmy Butler, who had one of the greatest individual performances I think in NBA Finals history, certainly in Miami Heat history. I mean, you know, Dwayne Wade had a couple of gigantic finals games in in 06 and LeBron James had some tremendous games in in 2012 2013 but what Jimmy Butler did in that game three was up there with the absolute best of the best but 
bottom line is for this Heat team to beat that Lakers team, you're going to need Jimmy to repeat that, you know, really four times throughout that series because he's going to have to do that to beat the Lakers four out of seven times. So, yeah, I, I am waving the white flag of surrender. You know, and you said earlier you would have been happy to reach the finals, but you people get greedy, and I, it's, I'm, that's, I'm, not, I'm not saying that as a false. The same thing. You know, let's say you decide, okay, I, you know, I want to make – I want to start off, I want to make $50,000 a year, and you make it. That's not enough. I want to make $100,000. Now that's not enough. 200000 Now you get there. It's not enough. You know, as you reach different plateaus – and different goals, you, you, your goals go further. That's just natural. I think that's being being human. And even if a team was, you know, the players will never be satisfied. You know, even if it's an underdog that all of a sudden that goes from last to first and is in the championship round, whatever sport you may be, uh, you know, that they may be in, they're not happy. I mean, they're happy they got there, but that's not enough. They want more. And that's just natural. That's being a competitor. And as far as being a fan and looking through that side of the prism, you get greedy. You might have said at the beginning of the season or beginning of the playoffs, boy, if we could make the finals, oh, my God, that would be just exceeding expectations so much. But once you get there, you know what? We're here. We're four wins away. Or if you're in the NFL, one win away, one game. We need to have 60. We're the USA playing the Russians, you know, in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the you know, semifinals in the 1980 Olympics. People forget it's the semifinals. They you're still right win about one that. More People game. do forget that, yeah. They do in one more game. Let's they just had, have they a great what, Canada, Canada they had to beat, right? No, Finland, I think. Finland, okay. And um, and and so, God, if we can have 60 minutes of a good game, whether it's the NFL or, you know, your seventh game in basketball or a seventh game in hockey or baseball, you know, we're right there. We're right on the cusp of winning this thing. Getting here just wasn't good enough. And so, you know, Heat fans – they're extremely proud of their team. That will not go away, even if they lose tonight. But, you know, they, they still will be – there will be a level of disappointment if they lose and lose 4-1. But they just – you know, they they were up against it even, you know, going into the finals. Yeah, if I can uh, recall what my kind of expectation or at least what I would consider – what I would have considered a satisfying playoff, and I'm sure – we talked about this a month, five weeks ago, and and I, I was saying as soon as the playoffs started, if you can just get not to the finals, to the Eastern Conference finals, mm-hmm. I would have considered that a successful playoff run, uh, especially knowing you were going to match up with Milwaukee in the second round, which it, it looked, I mean, I'm not going to say impossible, but it looked unlikely you were going to beat the Bucks in a seven-game series. It only took five to knock that team out. So, yeah, so my expectation when the postseason began for the Heat in that bubble was if you can even get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I would consider that a great success. So to actually overachieve and get to the NBA Finals is remarkable. And, you know, we talked a few weeks ago, Frito, about, you know, how much the the bubble environment may have helped the Heat. And, again, I don't think it was an unfair advantage. Like, some people will try and paint it that way, like Milwaukee fans and Boston fans, like, oh, look – we lost our home court advantage. That's the reason why we couldn't advance. Again, I'll say hogwash. If you're the better team, you should be able to beat the opponent in four out of seven games if you really are the better team. So I'm not looking at it and say it's any sort of an unfair advantage for the Heat, but I do think that bubble environment was made for this Miami Heat team, Frito, because you've got a tight-knit unit because I think teammates have to get along. If you're going to be stuck together in a hotel 
for like three, four months, if you all hate each other, it's probably only going to make the chemistry worse, not better. So I think the fact that these guys like each other primarily with a few veteran exceptions, primarily a very young, hungry team, when you're thinking about guys like Bam and like Tyler Hero, who have been so important to this team's success, you know, these guys are probably better at thriving in that sort of a, an isolated environment than some of the older family men would be. And, uh, and, and a deep team. Now the rotation, you know, has gotten smaller, the farther they've gotten in the playoffs, sure. a lot of that depth really helped them, especially in the first couple of rounds. And when you're playing, you know, games with, with less days off than you normally would, I think having a young, very deep team that gets along. And even, you know, one of your veteran guys, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy is not the type who after a month is going to get stir crazy. And oh, I, I miss my family. I got to go home. Well, like Jimmy, Jimmy is the type of guy who could win Survivor or could win like Big Brother. Like Jimmy, Jimmy was built for that sort of like mental test. And so to have a team and, and so, you know, all, all this to say, I think it's going to be tougher next year to repeat this sort of success in a regular environment because I think the Heat are really built for a bubble. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I'll bet those players, regardless of which team, can't wait to get out of that bubble. Oh, I mean, they've been in this thing for how long? You know, and they can get along all they want. They could be best of friends. After a while, they probably want to get away from each other and just, okay, I'll see you in like two months, okay? Just don't call, don't text. I've seen you for every day for how long? We're done for a while. I just need to get away. I need to see a woman, okay? I don't want to see you. So, but, uh, you know, the, 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 it, the future bodes well for this team. I mean, you look at some of the young guys, you know, Hero and Bam, uh, yeah, Goron is getting up there, but I think Goron is still a valuable member of the team. I'd like to see him uh, kept around. And um, I just think the future bodes real well. The only silver – well, no, there's no silver lining to losing because, I mean, you, you, if they could have won the championship, that would have been incredible. Mm -hmm. I will say, had they won, and the S it's not over yet, I think it would have been the, the, the final lap for Pat Riley. And he oh, would have yeah. he, he retired a champion. Again. So maybe the good maybe the good news is Pat's going to stick around, right? If, if I'm yeah, you're right. So if you're looking for the silver lining, the silver lining is Pat's not going to go out like this. No, I don't. I, but he he's he's built a team that bodes well for the future. He didn't want to leave the team. They they never were a dumpster fire, but he didn't want to leave the team just yeah, you know, a so-so team. He's got a team now that is built. For the future, I'm not saying they're going to win more championships in their future. That's very hard to do in any sport, win a championship. But the future looks bright for this club. And I, I, I just hope Eric Spolstra, even if he loses, gets through. It just seems to me he still doesn't get the universal respect that he should. And I don't know why. For him to get coach of the year, I feel like he's got to win this title. Like, I feel like if they don't win this championship, they're going to find somebody else. They're going to go Frank Vogel. Or like they're going to give, they're going to give somebody else coach of the year unless Bolster wins the championship. Yeah. It, 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 and I, just, I think people within the sport respect the hell out of him. Yeah. But I think some people, some basketball fans are like, Oh, he's never won without LeBron. I mean, he's an incredible, incredible. He could retire today. And he go in the basketball hall of fame. He's a hall of fame coach right now. Yeah, and, so. and th th there's a lot of aspects in the Heat organization that don't get much respect. As we're up against a break here, but I'll, I'll say I'll say one more thing. Like I can remember uh, when they gave out the NBA the 2011 Executive of the Year award 
you know, within the last calendar year, Pat Riley had brought together LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. You would have thought that would have been executive of the year material. They gave it to Gar Foreman of the Chicago Bull. What, what, because he drafted Derrick Rose, like, like as if they weren't going to take him at number one. I got a Gar Foreman got executive of the year when Pat Riley pulled off the greatest free agent in history. Well, I I know we got to go to a break, but I will tell you that when I did my talk show, I would have this conversation about that and about the signing of the big three. And some, quite a few listeners gave no credit to Riley. They said it was all Dwayne Wade, which I find crap. I I don't buy that. Dwayne could have had a part of it. But Riley goes and he meets LeBron. He pours his rings on the desk and had, you know, yeah, Dwayne had a part in recruiting Bosch and, and, and LeBron, but Riley sure as hell did as well. Absolutely. All right. So we have a lot coming up between now and one o'clock. And, and I, uh, I, I've since the last time Frito and I did this show, I, I had to miss a couple of weeks. I am very, very far in my Sopranos rewatch. So we can get to that. As really? well. You're listening. Yeah, you're listening to the Dono and Frito show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do all would, of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last up. one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. Because I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He platanos. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. 
Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Yo, this is K9, and you're listening to Slam Radio, Series 6M145. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Series 6M145, Slam Radio. Yeah, Dono and Frito show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio, taking you up until one o'clock today. Dono back in the saddle. Frito is here. So, you know, Frito, before we get to the Sopranos, uh, we were talking about expectations, right, for our sports teams. And, you know, how a couple weeks ago I would have just been happy for the Heat to get to the NBA Finals. And now I'm going to be really bummed if they don't have a miraculous comeback from this 3-1 deficit. It is what it is. But speaking of which... Um, Leading up to my Miami Hurricanes taking on Clemson on Saturday, really tough matchup. And and the Canes have looked good so far. They're ranked seventh in the country, but I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say I'm expecting Miami to win this game. It's going to be incredibly tough. Clemson is a two-touchdown favorite, and I think rightfully so. They have earned that right to be a two-touchdown favorite over Miami. And so a part of me would want to say that I would be happy to go into Death Valley and be really competitive, right? To give Clemson a game into the fourth quarter, to keep it close. You know, you're you're a two-touchdown underdog. Maybe you only lose the game by, by seven points or six points. You really give Clemson hell. Part of me would say that, hey, I could be satisfied with at least showing that Miami belongs on the same field as Clemson. I can say that today, but God, if we come out of that game and, and it'll probably be finishing up around 1130 midnight on late night on Saturday. And if Miami comes out of that game, a loser by any score, whether it's one point or, or 30 points, I'm going to be really bummed that I can tell you right now, I'd be happy to keep it competitive, but come Saturday, I'm going to be really pissed if Miami can't pull it off. Yeah, but it's Clemson. It's Trevor, it's Trevor Lawrence. It's Clemson. I mean, just, just go in there with no expectations and you won't be disappointed. Right? right. I mean, if you go in there with zero expectations, if you say, you know what, UM, no shot whatsoever. Well, if they lose, you know, 45 to 14, you're right. They had no shot whatsoever. Mm -hmm. If they keep it close, maybe it was, you know, 45 to 
38? Well, you know, they put 38 on, on Clemson. That's, uh, you know, that's a damn good showing. If, you know, if they happen to win, well, then you're going to, you know, drink a lot of beers that night and, then, and, and really celebrate. What would be your drink of choice to celebrate if the bars were open? I mean, I know they are, but if you, if you felt safe, I would, I would, um, it depends on what kind you know, I may, I, I was going to say it depends on what mood I'm in, but, but I would probably do a mixture. If, if Miami wins that game, I'm going to be mixing all kinds of drinks, whether I'm in a beer mood or a hard liquor move. Right. Uh, I, I, I'll probably be doing some combination of Patron shots and Biscayne Bay brewing Miami pale ale. Like a, that's one of the craft beers that I like. So I, I think all of that is going to be flowing. If Miami wins the game, I'm going to be like passed out by the end I, of the night, man. By like 2 a.m., I'm going to be passed out. I remember years and years ago, this is when Tim Hardaway was on the heat and they got eliminated from the season. I don't know if they got eliminated during the regular season or in the playoffs, but they got eliminated. And Hardaway said, and this is a recorder for everybody. I'm going home and I'm drinking Grand Marnier. And <laughs> Jim Mandich, the late great <laughs> Jim Mandich, never let that go for years. He kept talking about that and wouldn't let that go. That uh, you know that that's uh, what he said. So that would be your drink of uh, that was Hardaway's drink of choice. What about you? If I was going to do shots, I used to do lots of them. This is years and years ago. I couldn't handle it now. But uh, Southern Comfort shots. Yes. And uh, I remember one time, I, probably my greatest amount, it was probably like 15 of them. You know, I, I couldn't do that anymore. That was way, way, way in the past. That, that, my body couldn't handle that anymore. It's, it's so. funny. It's funny you're talking about SoCo shots and 15. So, Frito, a, a, good, uh, a good buddy of mine in college who was and he was not much of a drinker like you know he he was uh he wasn't like a total geek or anything he was just kind of a straight edge like he wasn't much of a drinker i can remember there being this uh it was like spring semester of uh of freshman year although i may have outed myself for underage drinking don't uh kids don't don't do it uh but the limitations is up (laughs) right the city that's a good point this was this was like more than 15, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, probably at this point. But, you know, but, but my buddy who was like not much of a drinker, very straight edge type, you know, no alcohol, nothing, you know, no extracurriculars or anything like that. Really? Was really, huh? Really? This guy, I mean, he had no fun. He just, that's not what he believed in. No, he just, he just didn't, uh, he had friends. He just didn't, uh, he didn't, he didn't partake in any substances. He, he came from like a military family was, uh, you know, pr- pretty, pretty strict discipline background. Okay, I, I got to ask you a question. Did he, did he bind other people doing it? Did he get on no. your case? No, okay. he just wasn't into it. Yeah. He, just, he, wasn't he, he, he would drink sodas. Yeah. Okay. He wasn't a lecturer and get on people for, for drinking, even if he didn't. No, not at all. Not at all. And, and every now and then he would like, he would maybe drink a little bit of something, but it just, it wasn't what he was into, but he at one point was very, very bummed out about a breakup. Okay. And so he made a decision that night I'm drinking and I'm drinking Southern comfort (laughs) and Frito Frito. He ended up taking somewhere between 15 to 20 shots. You know, we, we, we lost count. Yeah. Somewhere between 15 to 20 shots. And he was face down on the floor, literally, after like shot sixteen or seventeen. Well, and, I, I uh, shouldn't I shouldn't say this because my one of my daughters is you know twenty feet away from me here, and the 
But when I did that, when I did all those, I was watching the Super Bowl at a place in Hollywood called Capone's Flicker Light. And it was, the, it was the Rams and were they the Tennessee Titans then? I don't remember. When, when Tennessee was in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it was, the, it was the Titans, yeah. And they came a yard away from winning, right? Yes, I remember that. I don't. I have no <laughs> recollection of that whatsoever. That was I, none. I mean, I, it was one of the great endings of the Super Bowl. They were a yard short. That, that is ira- that's like shaking up the Etch-A-Sketch, which is a dated <laughs> reference, I grant you. But that's a race for my brain. Oh, no that, recollection that whatsoever. <laughs> so, I don't know. As, as soon as you mentioned southern comfort it just it reminded me of that day when i you know that this was probably like 2004 i think it was and yeah my you know he he was he was fine he wasn't feeling great the next morning but he was you know after shot 15 16 whatever it was he was face down it was, yeah. it was unbelievable. I, I think somebody like drew on him with sharpie you know you, you you know like you do in in those days your college days when somebody's passed out they get they get like eye, eyelashes drawn on them and all this crazy well, stuff in, in the sopranos there's an episode when anthony AJ got drunk and they shaved off his eyebrows and glued his face to the floor. Yes. <laughs> I just watched that one a couple and, days ago. And, in and, fact. and Tony's like, he looks at him and he goes, What's different about you? And Carmel's like, He has no eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, I saw, and I saw I saw an episode, by the way, with Robert Eiler who played Anthony. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to shave his eyebrows. And I think Jim Gandolfini said, No, 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 don't don't let him do that. And so it took several you know a long makeup job to get his eyebrows oh pierced. that's Gandolfini funny i i, I assume i assume they were really shaved oh no, okay. gandolfini said do not let them do that to you they might grow away dip, grow back different oh. don't let them do not let them do that and by the way i'm looking i i did this earlier you weren't on the show yet i was on larry the end of his show mm-hmm. um we're gonna have a special guest next segment really yeah the fly you know what i'm referring to Yes, the, the the one that was on uh, the one that was on uh, Pence's you, you head. You were watching the debate last night, but yes, the fly. Yeah, actually, it's funny because uh, I uh, I had I worked a uh, I worked a game last night, an Inter Miami game. But when I got in the car heading home, I I checked because I thought I wonder if like the debate is being aired on radio, local radio, and and sure enough, it was on six ten WIOD. So I mm-hmm. listened to. I mean, my drive back from Fort Lauderdale was was almost an hour, so I caught a very good chunk of it. I caught basically. From uh, yeah, I think the debate was nine to ten thirty. I caught nine thirty to ten thirty, basically in the car on the way home. Uh, so I, I didn't know about the fly at first, but then when I get home, Frito, I check Twitter, and you know everybody's tweeting out memes and photos, and so then so that's where I saw the fly. So I don't know at what point it actually happened because I was listening to the audio of it in the car, yeah. so I couldn't, you know, no, no, you know, no, nobody at the debate mentioned there was a fly on his head, but I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it, it it I think it's got its own Twitter account now. You know, people are tweeting out that the fly now has checked into Walter Reed to get tested for COVID. I saw that. Oh, that's so, so good. Oh my gosh. So it's got a life of its own. Oh, that that is so good. But no, you you brought up uh, the Sopranos, and I actually the the episode you were talking about with AJ. I think within the last three days or so, I watched that one where he was. You know, where he he lied to his mom, Carmela. He was supposed to he was supposed to yep. go yep. stay at Meadows' apartment after he went to a concert in the city, but instead he stayed over with his friends, and that's when they got completely passed out, drunk, and they shaved off his eyebrows and glued his face to the floor. But yeah, I am on Frito. I want to say, I I think like the tenth or eleventh episode of season five. 
So I've okay. made really good progress. Yeah. I think I was on, I think I was on like late in season two or early season three. Uh, you know, I guess it's been what, like three weeks ago since we were on together. So I've made some decent progress and this is, so the, the big plot point right now is there's, you know, big tensions between Tony and Johnny sack because of Tony's cousin, Tony B Steve Buscemi, you know, is, is suspected that he, he carried out Bill, the hit. He hit Billy Leotardo. Bill's brother. Oh, I haven't even gotten to that. Didn't, didn't he, uh, it, it was when he, uh, he, he did oh, the hit of, uh, Joey Peeps. Yeah, was is that Phil's brother? No, 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 no. Joey Peeps was the guy who was Johnny Sack's driver. Right. But then he also uh, Phil Leotardo killed Angelo, who was a a, a former high ranking guy in you know in, in Carmen Lubertazzi Carmen uh, crime family. Mm-hmm. Phil is and all that, and he took out Angelo. Well, Angelo in prison was Tony B's mentor. His yes. rabbi, as they say. So to get him back, he killed, he shot Phil, he shot Phil's brother. Phil's brother died in his arms, and Phil lived. And so right. Johnny Sack wants revenge. He, he, wants to, he wants Tony to give up his cousin. Right, right, right. And Tony won't so, do that. He's hiding at the farm up in, uh, in upstate New York. Yeah, I haven't gotten uh, to the point yet where he's hiding in the farm. Like, he's still, he's still, like, in, like, like Tony B is still around, and Tony is basically telling him, he's like, He's like, hey, look, I, I know what you did, wink, wink. But he gives he gives Tony B that casino where he's yeah. making all that money, and then Christopher is jealous that Tony B gets all that money from the casino. So th- th- things are gonna are gonna reach a boiling point pretty soon. But it's it's crazy, like going through it so fast like this because uh, I, I don't know. It's like I I think you you really get attached to certain characters that you don't necessarily feel the same way about if you're watching it kind of one episode per week. But uh, man, I, I got to tell you, one, I, I love Polly Walnut so much. And, and we were talking a, a couple of weeks ago about how uh, Tony Sirico, the actor, had mm-hmm. had told had told them because like, he kind of had a mob history. Right. So he had he told he's been arrested 28 times. He was in prison for robbery. Uh, his mm-hmm. longest stint was four years. Yeah. But, but he had told uh, he had told like David Chase that, you know, one thing you can never make my character do right. is be a rat. Like I, I, so, and and you could tell that like he, even, even though he's got these weird quirks and for a while he was mad at Tony and he thought that Johnny Sack had his back when Johnny Sack was really blowing smoke up his butt the entire time. And now, and now, uh, Paulie's loyal again to Tony, but, but you could tell like Paulie, you know, his character, like he, the last thing he would ever do is become an informant to become a snitch or anything like that. And so I, I don't know. I, I think that character upon, Rewatching the show, I think this is the third time that I'm watching it from start to finish. Like Paul, like I, I'd forgotten how much I loved Paulie. Yeah, I mean he's a phenomenal character. Yeah, he would, he would, he's the most loyal soldier around. He'll do whatever Tony wants. And uh, you know, it's funny because on the on the podcast they have what's called the the wingometer. They the, the, it measures his wings, his white wings, you know, his hair. Yeah, is uh, you know, measures that. I I I got in trouble here with the Sopranos. Really? Time or should I come? I'll make this short. Let's. Te- I was gonna say okay. let's tease it so we have something to come back to. Okay. Yeah, so I, made I, a, I made a mistake. I made a ooh. bad mistake. All right, I got to hear this when we come back. You're listening to the Dono and Frito Show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found! A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM One Four Five Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. 
Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do all would, of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? You're not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last up. one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He platanos. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
Frito Show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio, taking you up until two o'clock today. Uh, before we get to uh, to to what Frito did wrong with the Sopranos, I want to throw out a congratulations to Gonzalo Higuain and Inter Miami. Gonzalo Higuain, the very expensive uh, DP signing for the local MLS soccer club, scored his first goal for the team last night. It was an absolute beauty from a free kick. It was an absolute rocket. Uh, he opened his account with the club there, scoring that first goal, and it was the game-winning goal. So very good stuff there. Hopefully a sign of things to come. So, Frito, how did you, sir, mess up with the Sopranos? Explain to me. You remember in the first season when Tony's childhood friend, David Scatino, got into the executive poker game. Tony warned yes. him not to. Yep. And he, his wife owned Ramsey Sporting Goods, and they eventually did what was called a bust-out. They sold everything there to the bare bone, and then it was foreclosed on, and it was closed. They, that's how they got their money back, Tony and Richie April, et cetera. Well, there's a, there's a, there was a, there's a website on Facebook about the Sopranos that I just joined and people would, it was like a, a, a you know, you had to be accepted in there by anybody who was a member. And, um, what do you mean accepted in there? Like, did you have to take a test or something? No, but you just had to hit join. You couldn't just, someone oh, had to say, okay. oh, I, I, I see what you say. So you, you, you didn't have to like prove your worth or anything. No, 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 no. The webmaster, I think had to just click. Okay. Okay. You know, maybe it took a day or whatever it was. And, you know, it was just a way to have discussions about the Sopranos and all that and get people's opinions and just ask, ask questions. And it was fun. It was people brought up interesting topics. And when the New York times came out with an expose on Trump a couple of weeks ago that said, you know, he only paid $750 in taxes. And among the other things that came out was he owes within the next four years, over $400 million personally, not his Whoa. bank, not his, his company. He does. He's Whoa. guaranteed loans over $400 million. So I go on the website. I thought if the only thing it said on the website was no COVID talk. Okay, fine. I respect that. You know, whatever they tell me. I just said with whoever Trump owes money to, they should have a bust out and just go through all his businesses and sell everything. That's funny. I thought it was funny. I'm banned from the website. I couldn't no! get back on. I've tried every way I know. They blocked me. The, the web no warning? Like, like not even like, nothing. hey, like, like, don't do that again. Yeah, I figured they'd give me a warning. I was shocked. There's none. Of, the only hope I have now is, you know, what if they ban me for like 30 days or something? I don't mm. think that's going to happen. I think I'm banned forever. I've tried every which way I could to get back in. I even wrote the Talking Sopranos podcast because it's, this is like a fan page of it. Yeah. And said, could you contact the webmaster, whoever he or she is, and ask if I could get back in? I won't do anything controversial anymore and, <laughs> and nothing. So I'm, it was a really interesting website, and I am banned. Oh, that's no nuts. warning whatsoever. Wow. I, so. I, I, I mean, listen, honestly, something like that, I, I think no matter what side anyone is on, how can you not find the humor in that? Right? I like, that's I, funny. It's fine. I, th I think I, I think e e even if even if you're like a big, you know, like a Trump supporter, like I, I still think there's humor in that to say the bus. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think it was I think it was very harsh to ban you unless they run such a tight ship that uh, that there's just like a zero tolerance. But like you said, they should have they should have put the warning. I mean, no COVID talk is one thing. You didn't do a COVID thing. Right. I didn't. And I just thought, you know, they could have some. I, was, I even joked they could have somebody on the street corner selling red coolers, you know? Remember, like, in the buffed out, you know? Hey, you put a Nigerian on the street corner, have them sell red coolers. Everybody's going to buy one for two or three bucks. 
and nothing. I thought it was funny. I was just being lighthearted about it. I'm banned. I'm banned for life. Oh. So, yeah, it really was just interesting. Um, um, so, but oh, anyway, it's. Uh, I'm glad you got to do it. I still, you know, I've had three weeks to get into something, and I haven't gotten into to anything. I, I admit, I'm just. I, I haven't got. I haven't just sat down and binge watched any shows, um, and I feel really guilty about that. Well, so so what? Cause so so we we've got to figure out like how how you can add this binging into your life. Like, is there anything you do during the day that you feel like is really not that important that maybe you can cut out in favor of binging, or maybe stay up a couple hours later at night? I mean, I've got I stay up late at night. I've got lots of time during the day. My daughters came down separately while we're doing the show and had lunch. Now they're back up each in their rooms and they're they're in school, you know, so to speak, and they're doing it uh, virtually. And they're very responsible. I, you know, I do you need help with homework. No, you know, they're doing fine grade wise. Um, and, you know, they're very responsible. And, you know, and, and like when just as an example, when school is done at 350, they're still locked in their rooms. Um, forgive me, I'm going to walk across the room speaking to that and let my dog out Wrigley. But oh, they're, you know, really? because they're doing homework. So I've got lots of time during the day. I've got tons of time. If I'm not you know, running an errand, I've got tons of time. <sighs> Here at home, forgive me, Wrigley's barking. He's, ah. he's still upset the Cubs lost. Um, <laughs> go. Um, and so I've got lots, of, I have no excuse, Donald. My point of this, all this long rambling thing is I have no excuse whatsoever why I haven't watched something. And I'm going to have to start sending you daily reminders, or I'm going to have to, like, uh, you know, I, I got to pick a show. You know, whether it's on HBO or Showtime, I can just, you know, you know, uh, you know, stream it on whatever, and then be fine. I should watch something. So, but I have. Yeah. Well, we, and maybe we'll, we'll take more uh, more suggestions. I, I I know the ones that we talked about before were either Breaking Bad Curb. or Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I I think do like a nice job covering both ends of the spectrum because like yeah. Breaking Bad, it, it it's a heavy show. So if you're more in the mood for something a little bit lighter, you know the. And you love Seinfeld, so I think there'd be a lot of stuff on Curb that you would really like because I'm sure I'm sure a lot of the ideas that made it into Curb were stuff that either Larry David either just didn't have time to put these you know angles on the Sopran or on no, not the Sopranos on Seinfeld, or he just came up with these new ideas after Seinfeld. So uh, I, I think you'd really enjoy it. I mean, it's definitely a different type of show. Like for example, my wife really loves Seinfeld she hates curb and she says it's because curb is like too awkward and uncomfortable right because uh because basically the premise of the show is larry david is an incredibly quirky awkward guy and a lot of the humor from the show comes with like uncomfortable social exchanges he has with people which i find to be hilarious and like most people obviously find to be hilarious but for some reason my wife hates like awkward humor yeah, uh, and so and so she doesn't like the show, even though she loves Seinfeld. Well, I'm looking here over here at my TV, and I, so I'm looking at HBO On Demand and all the series that they have. Now, here's one I watched a little bit here and there, but I've never watched the whole series. I think it lasted five years, maybe. And you know, I love mob stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen Boardwalk Empire? No, but I've heard it's great. And and, and, and one of the writers of The Sopranos created the show. You know what we you know what we should do? Um, I'm just going through right now. Uh, there's Curb, there's Deadwood. You know, keep talking, but I'm just looking alphabetically at all the HBO series. Deadwood is pretty good. Um, I think sometimes like Entourage. Deadwood gets 
what's that? Entourage. Entourage, I, I enjoy. And you know what? And, and we interviewed uh, Ari right. Gold. Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven. So, yeah, that, that actually would be a good choice for you as well. But keep going. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I was, I was going to say, like, for example, if you were to decide maybe on Boardwalk Empire or something that mm-hmm. I haven't seen before, that w- we could even, like, coordinate watching it, and then we can discuss the episodes uh, together after we watch them on the show, that that might actually be a fun thing to do. Could be like a sure. homework, like a shared homework assignment. And, and there were a lot of actors that were in both the Sopranos. I know this because I've seen a little bit here and there that crossed over to Boardwalk Empire. The main actor, at least at the beginning for the first, however, series, two, three years, I don't know, was Steve Buscemi. Right. You know, and of course he was on the Sopranos. You know, he, he not only was in the Sopranos for, um, you know, a few episodes, but he directed a, a fair amount of them. Hmm, I didn't know that. Hmm. So, did, did you know, I think I told you this once, before he became an actor, what Steve Buscemi was, what his career was? No. He was a New York City firefighter. Really? He was a fireman. Wow. Yes, he was. He was. That's, that's yeah. pretty... So. And you know, but w- when Steve Buscemi came on The Sopranos uh, in season five, when I first saw him on there, I had a hard time at first... I mean, he's a good actor, and he ended up doing a really good job as, as Tony B. But when he first got on the show, I had a hard time taking him seriously because I knew Steve Buscemi as, like, a goofy guy who was in some Adam Sandler movies. Like, that's how I knew Steve Buscemi was. I knew him as the hobo from Big Daddy. Like, because uh, so, he, he had, like, small parts in a lot of Adam Sandler movies and was playing really kind of goofy, stupid characters. So when he showed up, and you know a, a pretty important serious role for one of the seasons of the, of the Sopranos it took me like three or four episodes to really start taking the guy seriously but he ended up doing a really good job and, and, any other shows you're seeing on there Frito because I've, I've probably watched like 70 percent of the HBO catalog there's a lot of shows that I have watched on there The Wire is also really good but The Wire is uh is super intense oh I think we might have lost uh Frito from the room he, he was getting so into searching for tv shows i think i think he might have dropped out for a second so well while he's searching uh i I don't know frank do you have any any suggestions on good shows for frito to binge because we we had talked about either curb breaking bad he just brought up boardwalk empire as a possibility is there anything that you're really into that we might suggest for him yeah i was listening to you guys earlier i mean to be honest i've done a lot of catching up in the pandemic so i've kind of went back and i and i've actually dabbled into the office i had never watched the office great everybody show. always talks about how great it is and i've yeah. always been lost and and i've always actually i've always caught just like a random episode in the middle so you de- you don't know what the story is you'll you don't understand the humor on it somebody told me go back watch it from the beginning put yourself in the position of you being in the office with them and you'll find it very humorous and i i love it like i absolutely love it i i, I don't know why it took me so long to watch it um, the one documentary that I did watch, as Frito's joining us now, the one documentary I did watch was, I thought it was phenomenal, was it's called High Score. And it was pretty much a documentary on how, like, the the evolution of the video games, when it started from the whole Atari, then it went to Nintendo, oh. the battle with Sega, how the fighting games got into it with the Mortal Kombat and the Street Fighter. So, I, I, it, for anybody who likes video games, I thought that was a phenomenal watch. That's interesting as well. Okay, and, I'm back. Yeah, okay, I got it. And one one quick thing to Frank, because you, you brought up that you're watching The Office. I've already got my next recommendation for you, because if you love The Office, when you're done with The Office, watch the show Community. You ever seen Community? I've heard of it, never seen it, Excellent so I will show. put it next. 
it, it it's you know similar similar type of humor to the office mm-hmm. and i actually think for a couple of seasons community was better than most of the office you know it it, it wasn't like the I, I think community went for like five seasons and like the first three seasons were really good and then seasons four and five were still good but some of the characters left the show so they didn't have like the full cast so it wasn't as good but like i like honestly, like I would put up like the first three seasons of Community, I would put right up there with The Office. I think it's I think it's as good, virtually as good as The Office. Just added it to my list. I know exactly what show you're talking about. I just didn't put a, the name with the with the look. So I'm gonna definitely put this on my next. Yeah, I started What's watching this? that during the pandemic. Is when I started that. So, What's uh, so- the wire about? Oh, the, the the wire is really good. Very very serious heavy show, but it's excellent. So the wire is. It's really about all of the criminal underworld in Baltimore, right? So okay. and you get it you get it really well from both perspectives. Like like you you have the perspective of, you know, the police and like the narcotics cops and the uh, and the homicide cops and you also get it from the perspective of the gangs and the drug dealers. And so it's it, it's it's crazy because there's really no like good or evil because you get like the the perspective of of both sides and you kind of understand the struggle um and no it's a really good show and the wire has some of the best characters right i would put up there there, there's a character omar from the wire who you'll probably recognize because he's had like roles in a lot of other various shows like you'll probably see him be like oh I, i know that guy from somewhere uh but omar from the wire is one of the best tv characters of all time like he's so complex so badass uh and 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 there's something that i I don't even want to want to give it away but just just the way when omar's final episode of the wire you know before before his uh his character departed was uh it was it was one of the most uh one of the most uh, ironically shocking things so i'll leave it at that. yeah i'm looking to see who plays i'm looking to see who plays uh omar right now i'm looking to see uh omar Oh, Michael Kenneth Williams. Okay. He was in Boardwalk Empire. Yes. I yeah. think he played Chalky White, is his name? Oh, Something yeah. Like I, I think, I, yeah, I'm not sure because I, have, I haven't seen it. But, yeah, I, I do remember hearing that he's in that show. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's a good actor. And also Idris Elba is in that show. And it, really? That, he's, he's great. Tremendous actor. Yeah, he's he's in, like, the first three seasons, and he's really good. Yeah, and – uh you know, there's just so many really good characters in The Wire, and it's you know, it's and that that that's a very serious show. Like, there's not there's not much you know comic relief like you get in The Sopranos, but no, it's it's one of the best shows ever. By the way, here it says, and we'll get back to sports. I promise. Where is it? Um, you said the series you talked about is Community. Is that yeah? Community is really funny. It's a it's he's a in that. He's in that. The guy that plays Omar. Yep. He plays, he's, he's, he plays he's, a professor. He's, yeah. Yeah. He plays like uh like a like a professor or a wow. dean or something. He's right. in like he's in like a he's in like season four or season five, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Chalky White, he plays in Borough. Okay. Yeah, he's a good actor. So I promise we'll figure out something. Well, you and I'll text back and forth and we'll yeah. figure out something I can uh I can watch. We got a so. big, uh, big twelve noon hour coming up. It's the Dono and Frito show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found! A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM One Four Five Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. 
Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do all would, of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last up. one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He platanos. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Oh, yeah. All 
Dono and Frito show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Frito, could the NFL season be in serious jeopardy or just the Tennessee Titans series be in jeopardy? Like, I don't know how far this is going to go because they're they're now at risk of, of having to forfeit games. They've got more positive tests and they're being accused of not following protocol, which would mean you forfeit games, potentially draft picks. I, I, I hope we can I, I hope the NFL community can nip this in the bud. You got to figure that Roger Goodell and his lieutenants, probably his lieutenants, sat in the conference room for weeks trying to plan out every contingency. Whether they were able to do that, I don't know. Um, but I, you know, can the NFL continue? I don't. I mean, there have been a number of teams now that have been stricken. What they moved it was the Steelers Titans game. They moved to later in the season. You know, what if it happens that whoever last played Tennessee, they haven't shown symptoms yet. You know, they might test negative, but what if players on that team suddenly test positive? If you get a breakout of this in the NFL, like a super spreader, you know, then you might, I, I, the worst extreme be canceling the season. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but right now it's, uh, it's they're, they're, I'm sure they're meeting because Adam Schefter reported one more Titans player. Uh, tested positive. I mean, I don't know how many have tested positive thus far. You know, you can only reduce the roster by so many, and you have to worry about the safety of the other players. But I had predicted weeks ago that I didn't think, I thought that neither the NFL nor college football would finish their season. I just figured these guys are maskless. They're in piles all the time when players are tackled. It's just, it's not going to work. Thus far, the NFL has worked so-so. I mean, again, you've got teams that have been stricken thus far. If it's just those, then maybe things will be okay. It, it just seems to me that for an absolute guarantee, you needed a bubble, you yeah. know, like, like the NBA had. Um, you know, but I, I, hope it, I hope it finishes. I hope it continues. Um, but I don't know. I don't think anybody could tell you right now with certainty if you said – just to throw out a hypothetical number, Donald, what's going to be happening to the NFL two weeks from today? I don't know. I can't answer I that question. Either. You know, and just and, and it, it, is it going to spread more? Will they keep it contained? You know, and, and the NFL got really mad, I presume, at Tennessee for breaking some protocols, and they are now threatening teams. If you do this, we are going to either take away draft picks or actually force you to forfeit games. That's the kind of currency that the NFL teams understand, you know? And, but as a team, you have to also trust your players. Are your players responsible right. enough to do the right thing? Yeah, and, and what makes this so complicated and so difficult is that even when you think after, after one round of testing, like, oh, no, okay, we found the one or two players that have it and they're positive, but everyone else is negative, hooray. But then what happens two, three days later, you know, the incubation period is not the same for everybody. Two, three days later, players right. that tested negative at, on Monday are testing positive on Wednesday and Thursday. And, and that's what has made this so difficult, because even when you think, oh, no, it's just Cam Newton who has it or just whoever on the Titans and we can isolate them and it's not going to spread. Well, it turns out it already spread. You didn't even realize it already spread. And and listen, and I know that. um I think there's a lot of people that are, are kind of missing the plot about this um, because 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 in in so many sports that I'm into, Frito, I see this happening. I see this happening to various soccer teams. I see this happening to NFL teams. And people will say, "Well, 
you know, okay, don't even worry about it because these guys aren't sick. They're going to be able to play. Well, it did. It doesn't even matter though. It, in terms of like the way that that you're you're making these rules, like e- even if a guy is showing no symptoms, they're still not allowed to play, and they still could have spread it to other players. You could have spread it to you know higher risk people who may get sick. So it's it, it's really a mess. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. One thing that's shocking to me, uh, unless I'm wrong about this, but I it, it seems like college football is doing better than the NFL <laughs> what I mean is, isn't that shocking to think that and you know I, I get I guess it only takes maybe one or two super spreaders in the NFL to put a lot of other other teams and players in jeopardy but uh, we, we haven't had nearly at least in high profile college football nearly this many issues and so that that's something to be thankful for right now when you have players on college campuses who presumably wouldn't be as disciplined you wouldn't think as NFL players but maybe they are I mean, you know what maybe the college players are more disciplined because they have coaches who are disciplinarians right whereas NFL coaches you know they can only really do so much they're not going to babysit you but a lot of college coaches will babysit you so maybe that's part of the difference here I wonder if if colleges could threaten players look we we offered you a full ride we're going to pull it if you you know, don't do our protocols. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that's if that works or not. I mean, I don't know. Can NFL players can their contracts and the guaranteed part of them be canceled? Uh, you know, if they don't follow protocols, I don't know what the penalties are. What are what are the incentives besides not getting sick? And when you're young, you feel you're 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 invincible. And uh, and you know, you can oh, COVID, don't worry, I'll be fine. If I get it two weeks later, I'll be fine, and I'll be back right. on the field of play or on the basketball court, whatever. Um, you know, you feel like nothing can, can harm you. And uh, we know that's not the case. And it's, you know, it's something that, uh, not to get too medical here, but one of the things it does really affects the lungs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen some young people interview, not professional athletes, but people who were, you know, marathon runners, who suddenly, even weeks after testing negative, like I saw a guy who's a marathon runner, young guy, probably in his 30s, maybe late 30s, early 40s, a marathon runner, he had it. He no longer had it. This was a few months ago. And this was a while after he kept testing negative. He was walking up the stairs. Mm. Just walking up a flight of stairs. This guy wow. ran 26 miles. So wow. the, the effects can linger, even if you're young. And, but, you know, young people never think in those terms. They just say, oh, I, I, I can conquer anything. Yeah. And maybe when I was that age, I thought that as well. Um, but... Uh, you know, one of the things I want to I want to talk about is the governor here in Florida, Ron DeSantis, gave the green light to the Dolphins to fill up Hard Rock Stadium, sixty-five thousand people, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, go ahead, fill up the stadium for Dolphins home games, and uh, the Dolphins said, you know what, we're going to stick with thirteen thousand, very, yeah. very wisely. If you put sixty-five thousand people in there, some people are going to walk in there with COVID and a lot more are going to be walking out with, with COVID as well. It's just going to spread. Right. And, and I, and I think the dolphins are going to stick to their guns on that because the, the bottom line is that um, if, if what you described there were to happen and there's a pretty high likelihood that would happen, if you're packing in 65,000 people at the end of the day, the guy who's going to get most blame for it is Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner. That, that he's going to get, he's going to bear the front of that blame. And it also, it not only does it open you up to awful PR, it also potentially could open you up to the lawsuits and and legal issues and, and hurt his business. So even beyond the human aspect of it, because I, I would like to think that 
that he has enough compassion to say, I don't want to put people at risk. And, and, and he probably does feel that way. I don't want to put words in his mouth one way or the other, but even beyond the human compassion aspect to it, you also have to remember that, Hey, if I were to decide, you know what? Yeah. I want to make that extra money by packing in 65,000 people that could end up really hurting your business in the long run. Cause you don't want to lose the trust of the community because Frito for as many, you know, I know that, you know, the people that you hear from and hear about who seem to think that this is not even a problem, that it's, you know, it's fake or it's it's a hoax or whatever. Obviously, there are people like that, but uh, I, I still do think that it's the minority. And I, I know that some of those people make themselves very loud on Facebook communities and on Twitter. So it, it makes you feel like there's more of them than they really are. I mean, you know, but I, I would like to think that the vast majority of people out there are responsible enough to know that there's some risk here. And, and it's, you know, it's not wise to pack yourselves into that stadium 65,000 strong. Now, I, I do believe that with the 13,000, with the protocols and the way that they space it out, that, that, that that's a pretty damn safe experience. Like, I, I do believe that. But you throw that out the window if you take away the social distancing and pack in 65,000. So I, I think I think enough people would be turned off by it if the Dolphins were willing to pack their entire stadium, that it would be very, very bad PR for them in the long run. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this here, because I said, look, it's impossible to figure out what's going to happen two weeks from now. Let's look four months ahead in the future. Let's look at their crystal ball. And this is based on what Ron DeSantis, the governor, said, that you can fill up Hard Rock Stadium if you want to. And this, he's saying this in October. Let's look in February. I don't know if we're the Buccaneers play, if it's still called Raymond James Stadium. Or not. I, can't, I always lose track of the names. But that stadium is where the Super Bowl is going to be. Mm-hmm. Will they fill that stadium four months from now? Uh, I'm going to say no, because um, I, I, I think that there are going to be enough conscientious decision makers that that's going to get vetoed i I, i'm going to say and and maybe freedom maybe this is me having too much faith in humanity right but i i'm going to say that they're going and and you know for how because i i do think some people will be allowed to attend you know i don't know what the capacity is at raymond james whether it's you know 10 15 000 people who are allowed to go they may even raise the ticket prices higher up for those people to make up for some of those losses. But no, I, I don't believe they're going to pack that stadium. What about you? I don't think so. I, I think I, I just can't see being that irresponsible. Um, yeah. There's too much to risk. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, you want to have a partially filled stadium where there's social distancing. I understand that, but could be because you know what's going to happen people come from all over the country to watch the super bowl not just the the people that live here in florida say or the fans of the the two teams you know this is an event and and you could have people from all 50 states or various countries come here congregate in a full stadium and spread it all over again yeah it's just it's there's it's risk reward reward is not worth the risk in my opinion yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I really do. And, uh, and man, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Like what, what's been, uh, if we, if we take it back to the sporting aspect of it, if you've been watching a lot mm-hmm. of Dolphins football, I don't know. It's like, I, I I'm not really that charged up and enthused this year. I mean, I thought that they looked great in the Jacksonville game a couple weeks ago where they beat a really bad Jaguars team. I don't know, Frito, if I'm just kind of waiting until at some point we see Tua before I get really enthused, but I, I think that so far it's just I, I understand that I've got a rebuilding below average football team and 
you know, last year it was kind of interesting, the whole tanking angle. Like I think that kind of made Dolphins football more exciting. But this year it's like, this is like the middle act of like a very long Broadway show where, you know, the middle act, the part where you tend to kind of fall asleep, you know, before, before the end. I I don't know. I just, I, I have a hard time getting really charged up this year about it. And I understand that. And I think everybody wants to, you know, it reminded me when Brian Flores, I guess he was asked today's Thursday, I guess on, maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was as recently as yesterday because teams are generally off on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be your starting quarterback? You know, this is, this is a Zoom call with reporters. And, uh, and I guess he had a long pause and said then Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's like, it, you know, it's like asking an owner what you think of the coach. And the owner gives his vote of confidence. And a vote of confidence might as well be translated to kiss of death. Mm-hmm. Because if you need a vote of confidence, yeah, well, there's no confidence there. You're not la- short of a complete turnaround you're not lasting long. And, uh, you know, so I wonder if, I, I think, and, and it's the same way with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's, who's a, by all accounts, a great teammate. He knows he's a placeholder for Tua Tagovailoa, and he's, a, he's been a great mentor to him. You know, this is unlike Brett Favre, who refused, from what I read, to, to mentor an up-and-coming Aaron Rodgers. Just yeah. didn't want anything to do with him. And, and Ben Roethlisberger in the same way, I think it was with Mason Rudolph. You know, this guy's after and, my and job. And Tom Brady with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, not only did Tom not want to mentor him, he wanted him traded. Yeah. And some guys are like that. From what I understand, this is not how Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Um, I don't know how, uh, you know, Tua Tagovailoa's hip is. If, it, if it's keeping him out, if it's recurring the injury, if it's just not healed yet, you know, the, the teams haven't disclosed that. Um, I think once they deem him healthy enough where he can play, I think that's when you're going to see the handoff from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tua. I think that'll now if the Dolphins are three and one, we're not having this discussion, but mm-hmm. they're not. And once I feel that he's, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm Chris Greer, Brian Flores, he's healthy enough, get him in there. Let's start the Tua Tagovailoa era. And they clearly are concerned about his health still. Uh, And you can tell it's a complicated issue because that was another thing that Flores talked about this week, basically saying that, you know, even though Tua technically is healthy and he's been cleared to play, so it's it's not an issue of the doctors are seeing like a tangible injury or like a tangible reason that he shouldn't play, like something that shows up on the X-ray or MRIs or whatever. Like there's nothing like that. But Flores is very sensitive to the fact that he wants to ease to it in and be careful with that hip. Like he even mentioned that, Hey, if you look at it from the standpoint of a parent, if this was my son, would I want to rush him into the fold as quickly as possible? You know, given the fact that he's coming off hip surgery less than a year ago. So, you know, I, uh, obviously for Flores to be able to take that angle, um, it, 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 at least, you know, that he's coming from a place of strength as a head coach that he knows like his job is not on the line. Cause I think if, if his job was on the line, potentially with a one and three start, you'd be a lot more tempted to mix it up and, and make this move and try your rookie quarterback. So obviously Flores knows, even if they go one and 15 this year, he's still keeping his job. Like he does not seem concerned about that whatsoever. And it affords him the luxury of being very, uh, very careful with Tua. So you know, I, I think a lot of when a lot of Dolphin fans heard those comments with him referencing the injury, 
it may be it, it the tinfoil hats came on and it made people wonder, hey, maybe he's more hurt than they're saying he's hurt. I didn't really take it that way. I take it the way of, you know, the Dolphins still understand this is not a win now year. Flores understands my job is not on the line. And so why not be incredibly, incredibly careful with this commodity that we're hoping is going to be, you know, our franchise guy for the next 15 years. And so, no, I, when I hear that, I don't think that they're keeping some secret that Tua is really injured and they're not telling us about it. Uh, I just think the Dolphins understand that this is a very long, slow process and nobody's job is on the line here and they can afford to be careful. Oh, you're muted, Josh. Sorry, Wrigley was about to bark. That's why I muted it. I know we got to go to break, but I saw a quote from um, uh, my, Ryan Fitzpatrick saying, Tua can make throws I can only dream of uh, of making. I would like, I know we got to go to break. And you know, you said Brian Flores' job is safe. I completely agree. But Bill O'Brien got fired. Firing an NFL coach in the middle of the season, I mean, it sometimes works in other sports. I don't know if it works in the NFL. Did he deserve to go? They've won the division title the last four years. They started out the season 0-4. I'd like to get into that a little bit. I like it. We'll get into that when we come back. You're listening to Dono and Frito here on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up two nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking. I'm looking at the different angles. It does. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. 
Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable, sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and the Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I just got incredibly hungry. I, I went out uh, during the break. You know, I'm at my parents' house. They're helping me watch my son, you know, while I'm on the air. And they were just feeding him lunch. And, oh, my God, Frito, they, they were feeding him. And he's, like, a really picky eater. So, you know, sometimes you got to, like, figure out certain things to let him try. They were, like, these mac and cheese balls. Like, like mac and cheese balls, like, covered in, like, batter and... <laughs> Dear Lord, I'm going to have to, right when we get off the air, I'm going to be stealing food right off I'll my be right over. Where do they live? I, I was at their house once. Uh, Give uh, me the address. I'll put it on Waze app, and I'll be right over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, now, would you dip those in ketchup? No. <laughs> no. I've, I'm only fried? asking. I imagine, they're, I imagine they're fried after that, right? You dip, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. Oh, yeah you, don't, you, don't, you don't need ketchup for that one. You, no. <laughs> I, I was only asking you that because I'm pretty sure our guy Pat Mahomes would probably dip that in ketchup because he puts ketchup mm -hmm. on mac and cheese. He said, "Do you do like the regular mac and cheese? Do you put ketchup on that?" No, no, you don't need to. You don't need what about, to at all. What about ketchup on eggs? No, I know people that do that. I know people that put like uh, uh, Tabasco sauce on eggs. I can't do that. See, I like that. It, Fr Frank, what, what do you think? Because I, I saw he really shook his head at the no, ketchup thing, no, which I don't do. No, but hot sauce. No, what about hot sauce? No, nothing on my eggs. No. 
Really? Yeah, my eggs got to be dry. Not even like salt and pepper? Well, I mean, salt and pepper, yeah, but like liquid wise, yeah. you're like, like, like you're gonna make me gag immediately as soon as I see it. Even like, I'll go, I'll, I'll go clean up like the dinner table or something, like, well, the breakfast table, whatever. And like, yeah. my brother liked to put ketchup on his eggs, and I can't pick up his plate because just seeing the combination of the eggs with the ketchup, it just makes <laughs> me sick to my stomach. Wow. I put tons of pepper on eggs. I, I pepper sparingly on everything else. Eggs, it's, my wife jokes that I have some eggs with my pepper. That's how much pepper I put on eggs. I just like the combination. I put uh, I put hot sauce on them. I mean that that's I, I don't know really? I don't know I don't know what point somebody like I saw somebody do that or like if sometimes you're at like a breakfast place and they'll they'll like bring you hot sauce to the table with eggs. So I don't know how long ago it was where I decided because I love like I'm one of those people who could put hot sauce on almost anything, right? Kind of the way you do with ketchup. Like I can put hot sauce on a lot of things. And yeah, whenever it was that I started putting hot sauce on my eggs, I got hooked. I mean, one of the best things in the world to me is you get like, like a breakfast sandwich, right? Where you have it like maybe between a croissant, you throw some eggs in there, some cheese, some bacon, sprinkle a little hash brown on top, and then you cover it in like crystal hot sauce or like Cholula hot sauce. And oh, so delicious. That really hits the spot, man. Did you, did I ever, I, if not, I should buy this for you. You can buy it in public. You know, the, there was the international foods aisle and, you know, my wife is from Trinidad. Oh yeah. You got that for me. It, th- that stuff is so hot. Matuk's hot Matuk's, pepper sauce. That stuff is really hot. Like it's yeah, like, that one, you gotta it's, use it sparingly. yeah, it's so hot that it's like, and you're right. If you have to have like the perfect amount where it's like a couple drops, right? Because I mean, the, and I, I like hot food, but the Matuk's is so hot that like if you if you're not careful it just will like overpower and you know and make make what you're trying to eat just impossible to eat cuz didn't and and we were working Frito at the time with Alex Solana and you remember when and and you were nice enough and I still and I think I still have some by the way cuz cuz you only you only use a couple drops at a time but but when you were nice enough to give me and Solana each a bottle of Matuks mm. You know, I, I had understood how hot it was, right? So when I tried it, I, I put just a little little touch of it on there, right? So Solana, like, texted <laughs> us when he was trying it out, and he showed us, like, a picture of oh, his right. chicken sandwich that he was putting, and he had covered it in Matooks, and he, he showed us the picture before he ate it. And, of course, you know me being, being you know, a, a, a troll. I'm like, oh, you're going to love that, bro. Like, oh, this is it's going to be so great. And then two minutes later, after he took a bite of it, he texted us that his mouth was on fire. Because I, I guess he thought it was the same thing as Tabasco. But, no, the Matooks is, like, 20 times hotter than Tabasco. I can't remember. Did we visit him in the hospital in the ICU? <laughs> no, we just said if he dies, he dies. He dies. <laughs> so... So, so Bill O'Brien gets the X. Now, he, he was the coach and general manager of the Houston Texans. I, I, for one, am never a fan of one guy holding both jobs. It's just it's yeah. too much on somebody's plate. Even if, as the coach, you have somebody doing the day-to-day work of a general manager, really, you know, it, you can't do both. So all final decisions cross your desk. But nonetheless, I'm of the opinion I've always been, and there are exceptions. I mean, Bill Belichick, should always have the final say with the, with the New England Patriots. He's earned that right. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I've always been a fan of hire a general manager and let that guy hire the coach. Now, the owner has to approve a major hire like a head coach. I understand that. So does the general manager. But the general manager is going to do all the legwork 
and, and, and doing the, at least the initial interviews. And maybe if you get down to a final interview, the owner sits in on it. But I'm of the opinion, you hire a GM, let that guy pick his head coach, again, pending the approval of the owner. So I thought Bill O'Brien was given too much power, case in point. Yeah. I still don't understand why he traded DeAndre Hopkins to the, to the Arizona Cardinals. That just baffles me. You've got a young stud receiver. You've got a heck of a quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and you're going to separate these guys. It just didn't make sense then. It doesn't now. They've won, I believe, the division in each of the first four seasons of Deshaun Watson's career. Uh, he's now, of course, in season five. They started off 0-4. And reportedly, uh, recently in practice, there was a heated argument between J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien. Well, guess who the owner is going to side with, okay? J.J. Watt. Watt wins that 11 times out of 10. And I don't know if J.J. Watt went to the owner. I don't, you know, we don't know what went on behind the scenes and all the, you know, the things that happened there. But um, you could say he didn't deserve to be fired, but I mean... If, if you showed, I mean, the, some of the teams you're losing to, most recently the Vikings, you're losing to the, who were like 0-3, I think, headed into that game. Yep. Um, that was the final nail in the coffin. Romeo Cornell, who's been a head coach a couple of times in the NFL and a longtime assistant, is the interim coach. I don't know if he's going to be the coach for the remainder of the year and just uh, you'll finish out the final 12 games. I don't know. But they also um, – you're not going to get a general manager during the season. You just mm -hmm. won't. You know, no one's going to give up a personnel guy right now. You've got a much better chance in the offseason of asking for permission from teams. Hey, your assistant GM, I'd like to interview him for this job. Unless that guy is absolutely being groomed to take over in the next year or so for his boss, the GM, they're going to let him interview. That's what yeah. teams do. And then you're going to, and I would then let him hire his coach. Is this a lost season? Probably, although years and years ago, when, uh, when Solano was probably still in the womb, um, the San Diego Chargers, I believe they started, this is near San Diego, I think they started out 0-5 and made the Super Bowl, I think. Ooh, I think you're right about that. And so, yes, they can rebound, but you know, that's, a, that's a pretty tall mountain to climb. I understand why they did it, um, even with the last four seasons. I mean, sports are such a, what have you done for me lately? If they felt that injuries were a big key to this, if J.J. Watt was out, if, if Deshaun Watson, you know, was out as well, uh, you know, and you lost the first four games, you know, then you, then you might uh, allow, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien have a mulligan, on the, mm -hmm. you know, and just continue in his job. That is not the case, even though, you know, J.J. Watt has been injured a lot in the last few years. He's probably missed more games than he's played. He has, uh, for but sure. But this year he's playing. And um, so I understand what they did. Did you feel he needed to be fired? Um, no, I, I would have let it ride a couple more games. I mean, m maybe the argument with JJ Watt was the real tipping point, but just under normal circumstances, I think for a guy who's won the division repeatedly, I don't think zero and four personally is enough. Maybe when you're six or seven games in and you're, you know, like one and five, one and six, then, you know, then I think that's a better time to do it. Um, you know, late October, I, I think being more of the time you start really thinking about firing coaches. Now, unless it was somebody like Adam Gase, so I can't believe still has a job because he is a he is a multiple time loser. So at least Bill O'Brien has a track record of success. Like, what is Adam Gase's track record? So, but but no, I mean, um, I I I don't see any issue if 
if done, you know, right with firing coaches in season. You know, sometimes people ask me about that. Like, well, what's even the point of firing a coach in season? I, I think that most importantly, firing a coach in season gives you a head start in finding your next coach. Um, but, but like you said, with the GM, it's a little bit more complicated with Bill O'Brien doing both of those jobs. And, you know, also, uh, and again, oh, four games in is very early because you bring up the Chargers example. Usually when you see a coach fired in season, they're basically mathematically out of a playoff spot. That's usually how that goes. But still, sometimes you fire a coach in season and the interim guy, even if he you know, can't get you to the playoffs, sometimes will add a spark. Because I've seen it a few times, even with the Dolphins over the years. I mean, when uh, when Wanstead was fired, Jim Bates came on interim coach. They had no intention of keeping him, but he did a nice job. He helped them win, I think, four games that season. Uh, you know, when Todd Bowles took over for Tony Sperano, the team had a spark and won a few games. When Dan Campbell took over for Joe Philbin, you know, for for like the first two weeks, they looked like world beaters under Dan Campbell. And then, you know, I think they just got exhausted because they were running Oklahoma drills in practice. But no, I, I think sometimes you reach a point, and maybe this was happening with Bill O'Brien, where the environment with a head coach becomes so toxic. And like, if you reach the point where, a player mutiny, like you're on the verge of a player mutiny, then I think sometimes you have to make that move in season and you'll just see the interim guy, even if the interim coach isn't really qualified to really be a head coach, they'll do better than the other coach did because it got to be so toxic. But no, with this, just looking individually at this O'Brien case, I think it was a little bit too early. And unless it just got to the point where things between him and JJ Watt and who knows who else just got so toxic, it couldn't continue. But normally, I look at four games in is too soon. You know, you reminded I I hadn't heard the name Dan Campbell in a long time, and you're right. He won the first two games out of the gate, and he still hit a. I think he went four and eight in his in his tenure with the Dolphins, and yeah. uh, you know was let go. And um, and that's when they brought in Adam Gates, I believe. Yeah, that's um, right, and uh, that worked out great. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Dan Campbell, I think, has been an assistant with the Saints ever yes. since then. Boy, was he fun to cover because he had no edit button whatsoever. I mean, he never said anything real inflammatory. He just said what was on his mind. And there isn't a reporter in that media workroom that absolutely didn't love covering this guy. I know the, the public probably doesn't care all that much, but boy, was he fun to, 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 to cover and talk with. You just, you just loved covering that guy and what he said. I, you know, he's a guy who's not – let me ask you this. If you were a GM, because this is how I view Dan Campbell – he was a tight ends coach for the Dolphins. He wasn't even a coordinator and he was elevated to head coach once Philbin was fired and, uh, you know, to coach the final 12 games of the season. Like I said, he went four and eight. Um, he never struck me as an X's and O's guy, more of a motivational guy. Guys would love playing for him. Um, mm -hmm. They just, they absolutely, you know, he's a former player. He played a number of years in the league. You know, you can't say that about Philbin or Gates or anybody like that. Um, and, and they just, they love playing for the guy. Would you hire a guy like that? Now, what that would necessitate would be hiring really strong X's nose coordinators. Yeah. But can you win with a guy who's basically a motivational guy? Say a guy that comes to mind like that. I don't think he was an X. He was a hall of fame player. And yet I don't think he was an X's nose guy. It was Mike Ditka with the Chicago Bears. I don't think X's nose were his strong suit, but he had strong coordinators. I can't remember his offensive coordinator, 
but Buddy Ryan on defense. And Buddy Ryan later became head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but he was basically a motivational guy, and guys would, you know, it's a cliche, would run through a brick wall for Mike Ditka. If you were a GM, would you consider a guy like that? Who's not, you know, like I say, the X's and O's guru, but this is his method of winning. 100% I, I would. And, and, and honestly, and, and this, is, this is a matter of opinion, but um, I truly feel that for that position, head coach, um, I think the motivational aspect is probably slightly more important than the X's and O's from a head coach. But here, here's the catch, okay? The catch is, and you touched on it a little bit, you have to be able to draw in great coordinators and position coaches. Like that—that th- that is a must, right? And for a guy like Dan Campbell at that time, because that was pretty early in his coaching career, I and, and I, he wasn't really considered for the permanent head coaching job. He did interview for it, but he wasn't. I don't think. I think it was more of a courtesy interview. I don't think he was considered for it. Um, I, I personality type for a head coach. I love that. But I don't think at that point in Dan Campbell's career hadn't been around long enough in coaching circles to develop great connections to be able to bring in solid coordinators. So he he checked off one of those boxes, but not the other. But why I say that I think the motivational aspect and being able to hire great people, I think that's more important for a head coach because how many times over the years have we seen these you know brilliant coordinators being given a chance to be a head coach and they just don't have the personality for it. Right. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. can recall people like Mike Martz and, and North Turner who got, you know, hundreds of chances and just, you know, w- once you elevated them from coordinator where they really thrive because they were brilliant X's and O's guys just did not, I believe have the personality skills to be the CEO uh, of the organization. So honestly, mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, I, I think the motivational stuff is probably even more important for head coach, not for position coach. But all right, we'll, we'll wrap it up when we come back with you till one o'clock here, the Dono and Frito show. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. 
but I'm just looking. I'm looking at the different angles. It does. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tonga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuelapola. Tonga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuelapola. Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuelapola. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuelapola. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuelapola. Tonga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Dono and Frito show here on Sirius XM Slam Radio. So, Frito, you know I'm pumped for Saturday night. Miami Hurricanes and Clemson Tigers. I talked, uh, we talked in the opening segment about how um, realistically, as a Miami Hurricanes backer, I should probably be happy if they can really keep the game close and competitive and, and you know, show that they've closed the gap a little bit because the last two times they faced Clemson, the combined score from those two games – 96 to 3 in favor of Clemson. 96. I don't think you needed to add that last part in favor of Clemson. I think I figured that one out on my own. <laughs> Fair I enough. Yeah. Think, I don't <laughs> think you needed to add that. But let's see. You, you, who won those games? UM or Clemson? Hmm. Yeah. I figured that one out on my own. 96 to 3. Uh, but I, I still I, I'm gonna I'm gonna really going in hoping that Miami has some magic. And and Frito, it's one of those games where you know, if Clemson just shows up and and plays their game, they should win it. For Miami to win it, they have to be extraordinary, right? Like for Miami to win it, they need to force three turnovers. They need to hit 
two or three deep balls down the field in the passing game. They need to break off at least like one, like 75 yard type of run. Like you're, you're really going to have to have like the perfect, perfect night where the stars align at the end of it though. How close do you think the game is going to be keeping in mind Clemson is favored by two touchdowns, 14 points, 14 and a half points in some places. How close do you think it's going to be? Not close. I really know. I think Clemson is just going to, you know, I know UM is what ranked seventh in the country. Yeah, Clemson is in a, in a whole different area code. I, I just think that I think they're that much better. And you've got the number one pick in the draft next year, health permitting, in uh, in Trevor Lawrence. Um, I just think they're 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 two vastly different teams. One, it's, I'm not putting down UM at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just, in my opinion, giving an honest assessment of what kind of type of team Clemson is, and they're you know, still in the middle of this, of this great window of opportunity. And they've all won two of the three, two of the last three national championships uh, or three of two or four, whatever it is, you know, LSU. Yeah. Well, I know, I know that I know they've been to five straight uh, title games. So they, yeah. they they're, they're always in that, but game. they've won two of them. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't give you a much of a chance. Uh, how about you? Um, you know, it, it's probably the homer in me, but I, I think they're going to keep it within two touchdowns. I know that's not saying a whole lot because, you know, if you lose <laughs> by if you lose by 10, 11 points, it's still, you know, it's still not that close at the end of the day. But I think my my hope and my expectation would be that you get into the fourth quarter, maybe only down by six points, a touchdown, something like that. And, and you really make Clemson sweat a little bit late in the game. Uh, I, I think Miami's good enough to do that. Cause another thing that I look at, and this may not mean much because, you know, Clemson might've just been really waiting for this biggest stage, you know, top 10 matchup college game day before they really break out. But Clemson uh, actually hasn't covered a spread yet this year. Now they, they, they've been all bigger spreads than, than against Miami. I think they, they beat Virginia in their last game by like 18, 19 points, but they, they didn't cover that. I think it was like a three, three and a half touchdown spread. They didn't cover it. They didn't cover the spread in their first two games. So I don't know. They, they've been maybe just going through the motions a little bit. So I don't know if that's a good sign for Miami to say that, Hey, you're going up against a, a Clemson team. that seems to be, you know, somewhat sleepwalking, even though they're still winning all their games to start the year. Or you could say that, no, they're wa- they've been waiting for prime time. They've been waiting for college game day at death Valley you know, to really smoke Miami and come out firing on all cylinders. So I, I, I don't know. I think my, my expectation, but it might be a little bit biased, is that Miami is going to keep it within two touchdowns, probably, probably end up losing the game by 10 or 11 points. But something else, when you talk about some of the odds, I, I don't know if, if you've heard this, Frito, but this is pretty interesting to me. Not that this really means anything heading into this matchup, but um, so the two quarterbacks – we're squaring off De'Ara King mm-hmm. and Trevor Lawrence are actually right now betting wise the top two to win the Heisman Trophy and De'Ara King is actually the slight favorite De'Ara King is actually a slight betting favorite right that could very well change coming out of Saturday but right now De'Ara King actually has better Heisman odds at plus 500 to Trevor Lawrence is plus 600 for the Heisman well you'll see I mean anything can happen I mean there have been Heisman favorites before you know, but they get injured and everything like that. And then all of a sudden somebody else steps up to the plate um, and, and, and takes the trophy. Um, can I circle back to one thing that just occurred to me? And I don't believe, I can't believe I didn't think of this before. Sure. If I could. It's the Houston Texans. They're 0-4. 
the Miami Dolphins own their first two draft picks. First yes. and second, the Houston Texans, first round and second round pick. That's right. We need them to keep losing. I hadn't thought about if, that. Keep if, losing, if, guys. If, if they keep losing, just suppose that they got the first pick in the draft. You think what they could auction? Trevor Lawrence coming out. They could auction off that pick. Just, just hold up the for sale sign and just have GMs call them and offer them a ton for that pick. Would it would it be blasphemous to say that I I might even consider trading Tua and drafting Trevor? Is that is that blasphemy? Because I don't know. I mean, listen, tre- tre- Trevor Lawrence doesn't have those injury issues that that Tua had. No. Uh, you know, I I think if all if all things were equal health wise, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty crazy debate as to who you'd prefer. I, I think if if all things if there were no health issues, I, I probably would slightly prefer Tua. But man, uh, if if the Dolphins were to wind up with that number number one overall pick, whether it be their own, because it's still possible they get it from their own pick or from the Texans, that uh, man would, would I, I? I think I might even consider trading to a and drafting. It's funny because a, a lot of people would be really pissed off because people have already bought Tua jerseys; they're already in love with Tua. But I'm pragmatic, Frito. I, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to win Super Bowls. I'm not trying to avoid hurting feelings. I, I would seriously consider keeping Trevor and trading Tua. Well, that would be something if, I mean, can you imagine if Tua, you know, plays very little for the Dolphins and, and you've, uh, you know, you've traded him. I, 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 would there be a huge backlash? I think there would be. I think there would this, be. This town loves Tua and the fact that they got him with the number five pick. Um, you know, we could have, uh, I look at the standings here. We could have the Jets have the number one pick. Now if the Dolphins get number two, then they don't have that dilemma because Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. He's absolutely going to. Yeah. Right now, the teams that are 0-4, the Jets, uh, the Texans, that might – oh, no, uh, the New York Giants. They've got Daniel Jones, but that might not be uh, for very long. And uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons, I don't know how Dan Quinn still has a job. I mean, they've yeah. had a couple of heartbreaking late losses. Uh, but that's uh, – you know, and then Matt Ryan's getting a little bit up there. I'm still bitter, by the way. I'm, I'm sorry. I know I'm bringing personal business here under the show. I needed Calvin Ridley just to do okay. Just do okay. A guy's a premier receiver in the NFL to win my fantasy league. He had no, no receptions. Zero. He was shut out the oh other God. night. Nothing. No point. Frito, Frito my, my fantasy team is in such shambles. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, IR. Uh, I had uh, I, I also drafted Le'Veon Bell, IR. I've got a couple of other players on injured reserve. It's it's been it's been an absolute mess this year. And this is like I don't even think any of my players have been affected by COVID nineteen. It's just been all injuries. Like uh, there, there have been a ton of injuries this year. How much of that do you think uh, has to do with the fact that there was no preseason and abbreviated training camp? The bodies just weren't ready for this. I think Frito's a little frozen up here. His head, his head is stuck uh, in, in the same pose. Like, ah, let me out. Oh man. Well, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up within the next couple of minutes here, anyway. But no, it's been. Uh, I don't know how many other people out there have just had to like. I've not officially thrown in the towel yet. My team is actually two and two, but I just I, I don't have anybody who can score. I, I've been lucky to have a couple of matchups against teams that have put up very low point totals, but. I've been so ravaged by injuries in fantasy football and I'm in a really competitive 12 team league. So it's very hard to work the waiver wire. It's like, you can't expect to go to free agency and find a lot of good players there because out of the 12 teams in my league, they're, they're sharp enough to, 
to get most of the good players to make that thing happen. But, you know, my, my team has been actually absolutely torched by injury so far this year. And, and I've had a, a, a really hard time. Oh, I think Frito is back. So, so Frito, yeah. have, have you, yeah. Have, have you been torched by fantasy injuries like I have? No, well, I take one Barkley was my first pick the second overall. And, and so I need, this is what I, I'll tell you real quick. What I did, I know we got to go is I looked at all the free agent running backs in our league. I needed to get somebody off waivers. I took a picture of it. I texted it to Jay, Jamie Eisenberg and said, who would you pick among this group on waivers? And he gave me, he said, James Robinson of the Jaguars, who's been terrific. And so got to take advantage of Jamie's friendship. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and that, that, that's the way to work it. That is absolutely the way to work it. All right. So I, I had a lot of fun today, whether it be talking about the Sopranos, whether it be talking about my Canes or Miami Heat, NFL, as you got all these positive tests around the league. So yeah, Frito, it was fun. So, so do me a favor. We, we, we got a text within the next week to figure out what show we're watching. Because if we, if we can come up, okay. and I think Board, Boardwalk Empire is a good candidate because that's something I've never seen before. It's one of the few HBO shows I haven't watched, and it's something I've been wanting to get into. So, so maybe we'll watch that one, not, not literally together on the same couch, but together in our separate homes. We can each watch it and report back. So do I have to talk to you off the ledge next week with the Heat, the Marlins, and the Canes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and that'll do it for us. Week? Yeah, hopefully I don't have a super depressing weekend coming up. <laughs> Huge thanks to Frank Fernandez back there for yep. Frito. I'm Don. Oh, for the Amigo, Larry the Amigo in the house as well. We'll talk to you guys next week on the Dono and Frito Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Dono and Frito Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.